Hey, short story fans, we got a fun announcement for you. We are having our first live show at the Last Bookstore Thursday, February 28th in downtown LA. Our short story guests include Juliana Wang, Matt Summel, and a surprise guest. Each author will be sharing a short story followed by a talkback with me and you. Show starts at 7.30, but come at 7 to enjoy some refreshments and live music from my band, Hot Hot Fuss. You can reserve a seat for $5 at lastbookstorela.com. We hope to see you there. You're listening to Stories But Shorter. I'm your host, Cassie Jerkins. Today we have on Elisa Gabbert. This is a little special because she was so kind to let me come over to her house in Denver, Colorado to record her reading. My name is Elisa Gabbard, and I'm going to be reading from L'Heure Bleu or the Judy Poems. I'm not in love with Jack. I have a crush on Jack. Jack is my husband, who left me. Absence makes the heart grow fonder is a silly way of putting the truth, that rejection is seductive. Am I the sea? Am I the sea, or do I hate the sea? Am I befallen? I feel befallen. I once imagined dropping my keys down a grate, and it's sharp as a memory. For a week, Jack calls everything magic. That's magic, he says. It's magic. He's crazy, but I agree. It's Shakespearean. There are messages and some trash and bits of twig on the step the pigeons who are always together, three of them, a conspiracy. Who's pigeons? Who's magic? Jack always feels like someone is watching. So we turn it into a game. We do things for their benefit. We invent a code name for suicide, the attractive option, and refer to it often. Emerson said, for every minute you are angry, you lose 60 seconds of happiness. But he also said, the purpose of life is not to be happy. I say to Jack, life makes it impossible not to waste your life. Speech is a charade, of course, but sometimes I think things for their benefit. An idea is part of the persona. I'm interested in the point where the game crosses over, where he is laughing and I am afraid. At the poetry reading, I scribble in a notebook. The girl with the bee tattoo on her back satisfies my need for luminous detail. Dusk falls, l'heure bleu. Black trees silhouetted over indigo sky is my favorite sight a streetlight unfurling its liquid red beam. I maintain a certain level of detachment like a buzz. A man makes eye contact. There are times when desire seems to transfer. He communicates desire. I am infected by desire. It's the worst kind of desire. Too thin a film between desire and reality. Some days I can't escape the feeling that something is touching me, 
that I'm always inescapably touching myself. This is my body, I think, repulsed. I don't want to be beautiful so much as remembered as beautiful. The past is inherently interesting. Patina of mystery, low resolution. Ugly people are beautiful in old pictures. We will be beautiful too, but forgotten. I go outside again. I stand and breathe by the honeysuckle bush until the honeysuckle has no scent. A walk helps a little, a pause where I am moving and other things stay the same or have less distinguishing detail. The sky in this mood is more supple. Not quality of life, but quality of suffering. Just to say I suffer helps. A dog rubs its heavy black body against my thigh, thrusts its head between my legs. I hate this automatic shame. We go to see the glass flowers at the Museum of Natural History. Outside, the grass is unseasonably green. I tell Jack it's a feature of the simulation. Do grasshoppers really have butterfly wings? Or is this an embellished version of the world as it was, an unreliable memory? The museum is boring and closes too soon, and it's too bright even though it looks like rain. Maybe the dead raccoon we almost killed again today was there for a reason. Jack, I ask, what does it mean in terms of magic? I'm not interested in art today. Art stinks of wealth. In the museum, everyone seems to be glancing, looking to be watched. First, wealth as beauty, then wealth as reverence. Should art do no harm? Whatever I wear, having money makes me look rich. Money is potential energy, an aggravation. A migraine is glamorous, but this is a common headache. Dull, not all-consuming. I place a journal by my bed. In the cold light of day, what I wrote looks like poetry, and the light of day is warm. The mellow and melodramatic means soft, like nagging it's a way of calling me a woman. Love is loathing ourselves, but not the other. Ha! My character knows things I don't, can see all the errors. To put myself to sleep, I think time is passing through me, not me through it. Lying in bed, I watch one blade of the fan spin instead of the whole blur. There's an end of pipe on the ceiling that looks like an upside down hat, an open eye. What does it know? I'll let my thoughts happen, figure out what to do with them later. Important not to confuse my life with the world. Jack is jealous of our scientist friend. He comes over for dinner and eats a bowl of cereal. Cereal is a local maximum, he says, trying to impress me. Jack can see it's working. He says the scientist is my type, 
tall and an asshole. He's right, I say, you're right. But the scientist is sweet beneath his ego. He doesn't care about looks, so I can be alluring without embarrassment. The scientist. There are now more deaths from suicide than car accidents. You can't harvest those bodies for organs. Jack says, ah, progress, lights a cigarette. The day the torture report comes out, Jack can't suppress a smirk. He seems to enjoy this dark energy. I didn't read the report. I assume it involves descriptions of people being tortured. A boy I knew in college, at 22, was already worried his mind was going. He was working on some kind of algorithm. He wore orange blossom cologne, set at calm him. The neighbor's black cat is posing in the window again, a pure silhouette. Whether something strikes me as obvious or profound depends entirely on my mood. Is that true? say what I think, someone always tells me they agree or disagree, which ruins the thought for me. In this way, little by little, I forget what I believe. My memories seem as false as an alternate reality, a reflection in a window I used to pretend was an older, more sophisticated self, a woman with pain and sunglasses. The thrill I felt when my grandfather died. Finally, some meaning, or at least novelty. Only at the funeral, when I saw my mother crying, did I experience sadness. No, it's more that I was frightened. I'm not very clever today. There's a strange rain falling, slow drops, yellow sky, the scientist makes us take personality tests. This seems beneath him. Given two options, I'm troubled by the worry I could get this wrong. You feel involved watching TV soaps. You trust reason more than feelings. For Jack, it's a chance to build a new Jack. Every type is plausible. The warrior, the diplomat, why not just choose? I'm stuck on a graffito I saw this morning in the cafe bathroom. A simple kind of thought, but I had thought it mine. The scientist is oddly optimistic, another way of being contrary. When Jack and I complain all night, he wanders away, opens a book, and abruptly shuts it. He says, let's make a list of things we love without reservation. Five minutes later, Jack is immersed in this childish exercise. I am hungry and can only think of food. Pork roasted over cherry branches. Affogato. Anything drunken or drowned. The scientist leaves without reading his list. Jack keeps writing. It is mostly music. To avoid Jack when he's sad, what he indulgently calls the blues. I say, you're catastrophizing again, a word I learned from his therapist. It's part of the new cruelty. 
Jack quote unquotes Emerson, truth is shrill as a fife. I'm sure Emerson hated women. I'm unsure of the verb. Have I wiped Jack or is Jack wifing me? I revive an old shirt that shows off my clavicle. Vanity is my last vanity. And I reserve the right to wear lipstick in the house and smear it on the cups. Here, everything is admissible. My silence as weaponry, my too much perfume. A little drunk in the park with Jack and he's making me laugh. It's hard to remember last week how I saw no point to this. I don't remember the feeling, just the words as I spoke them to myself. Like wishing for snow when it gets too hot, though I hate the cold. By the second bottle, the jokes are ahead of us. They want to tell us what we think. When you lie down on the hill, you know you're on the outside of the world, with all of space below you. The clouds blow by. What is the point of this? This isn't a place I can stay in. When he moves to kiss me, I say, don't. Art should be easy. Can't I create whatever I want? It begins that way. But then whims, then boredom, failure. They say that things will always change. It feels like they're changing backwards with no surprises. What are you thinking about, Jack used to ask. My thoughts don't coalesce into thoughts, just static and something, something about death, which has grown quite boring and automatic. Who knows what they want? My thoughts aren't exact, so they don't coalesce into my preferred syntax. He hates the silence, which I think is perfect. When we argue about war, I say I'm a pacifist and he looks for a loophole. He brings up Hitler, genocide, these noble causes. The problem I have is distinguishing between atrocities, the genocide on one hand and on the other atomic bombs, their eyeballs melted, torture, women and children raped and murdered for the greater good. It's like the difference between a billion and a trillion. I believe they are different, but can't conceive of it. The moral imperative justifies the amoral, the technically lesser atrocity. I think citizens don't have to think like countries. Names of girls, names of paintings, names of horses. I can't decide which I prefer, the struggle or the boredom. We have little to say, so Jack asks, what was the best thing that happened to you today? Then onto the worst, the rose and the thorn. I burned my finger on the oven this morning, burnt to a blister. It's good to remember how much it hurts. A war-torn country, this repetition, this reportage.
So thank you so much for letting me into your home <laughs> and uh, making you read poetry. <laughs> thank you for letting um, me. Of course. Um, so I, I did some reading about like what inspired you to write your book. Um, would you mind sharing that with the listeners? Yeah. So um, a few years ago now, maybe maybe like five years ago now, mm -hmm. <laughs> don't make me do the math, <laughs> um, my husband and I and a friend of ours decided to put on a play. Mm -hmm. um, and it was this play that my husband had always wanted to produce um, by Wallace Shawn called The Designated Mourner. And mm -hmm. there's just three characters. And um, we got our friend Aaron Angelo, who's also a writer, involved. Mm -hmm. And what we ended up doing was we would come here and we would <laughs> sit around the same table. You and Yay. I are sitting around. <laughs> so cool. <laughs> Once a week. Mm -hmm. And um, we would read the play. And for a while we were just mm -hmm. reading it because um, it's like a three-hour play, two-and-a-half, yeah. three-hour play. And um, mostly just two characters, Jack and Judy, right. who are the two kind of primary characters in the book. Mm-hmm. And isn't the and structure kind of abnormal from a play? Like it's m more like monologues? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not very dialogue-y at all. There's mm -hmm. a few parts that are a little bit more typical dialogue, but mostly it's like these two characters delivering monologues really to the audience. Okay. And so the way we conceived of doing it was to go into people's living rooms and have these really <laughs> small audiences mm -hmm. and we would just perform it for them and you're really like making eye contact and looking right, <laughs> right at them and there's no fourth wall. Uh-huh. Um, so... It was a really great experience, and I played Judy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, after we did the play um, for maybe something like eight to ten different audiences, mm -hmm. um, which you know we did over the course of a couple of months, and we'd been rehearsing it for much longer than that. <laughs> I think we'd been rehearsing it for a year. <laughs> um, I, we we stopped performing it, but I was still kind of in Judy's head, I found. Mm -hmm. um, I would still find her lines, like, coming to me, and I was mm -hmm. still kind of thinking her thoughts on some level. Wow. <laughs> and um, I remember I was sitting in the audience at a poetry reading mm -hmm. one night, and some lines came to me, and they were in Judy's voice. And I just realized, oh, I should write poems in Judy's voice. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And so I ended up writing this book, which is mm -hmm. um, kind of in the speaker is kind of an amalgam, I guess, of me and the Judy character from this play. Mm -hmm. That's so cool. <laughs> and Jack's the husband in the play, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. So Jack, um, in the play, it kind of takes place after their marriage has fallen apart. And so oh, there's some okay. flashbacks mm -hmm. and there's kind of this explanation of how things um, came about, but we know that they're no longer no, they're no longer together. Mm -hmm. um, what you don't know until the very end of the play. Sh maybe I should say spoiler alert. <laughs> but <laughs> um, at the very end of the play, you you find out that Judy is actually dead. Mm -hmm. um, so she's been kind of a ghost the whole time, uh -huh. um, and they're just kind of in this imaginary space, which just adds to that feeling of like what is theater? What are we, <laughs> what are we looking at? <laughs> Who are yeah. we listening to? Mm -hmm. Um, so I guess you could say that the, the voice in this book is, is like the voice of a ghost yeah. speaking from beyond the grave. <laughs> yeah. Would you say there's like themes from the play and from your book that are kind of shared? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so in the play it's, even though it's about the dissolution of this marriage, it's also very political. Mm -hmm. It takes place in, what seems to be kind of not a real country, again, uh -huh. kind of an amalgam, um, but clearly under some kind of fascist, oppressive government that mm -hmm. has been undergoing revolutions and the leadership keeps changing. Um, 
and uh, Judy and Jack, but especially Judy and her father, who is the third character who has a very small part in the play, um, have kind of been targeted because her father was an intellectual and mm. um, he wrote a book of um, essays in his youth that was very famous for speaking out against the government. And so they always know that they might be targeted and then eventually they are. And basically this drives their their marriage apart. It's just mm -hmm. too much fear and anxiety. And, um, and then some of their friends are assassinated. <laughs> it gets extremely dark. Yeah. yeah. Um, but keep in mind, this was, you know, four or five years ago when we first started doing the play. Yeah. We didn't realize how... Um, oh, no. <laughs> how relevant it was going to end yeah. up feeling. But mm -hmm. yeah, those those themes of kind of like surveillance and yeah. fear mm -hmm. and uncertainty are all um, undercurrents, even though it's the poems are kind of about this relationship. They're also about that atmosphere. Yeah. Um, and so I do think there's kind of resonances now that <laughs> yeah. I didn't know would necessarily be there when I started writing the book. Totally. Um, would you say like because of what's happening politically in the play and in your book, <laughs> like I love all these blending. Um, like, would you say what drives Jack and Judy apart is like how they are handling the outside stimuli? It seems like they have different ways of going about it. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I'm not too sure like what Jack's like political view is or anything. Mm -hmm. So yeah, the, the play is really interesting. If you mm -hmm. ever get a chance to oh, read, I'm it, definitely or gonna read it, there's a, there's also a movie actually. <laughs> um, but if you ever get a chance to see it, it's it's so great in person. Again, yeah. that kind of looking right in the actor's eyes, mm -hmm. amazing. Um, but it's there's it's funny because the Jack character is really the more likable character in a way. Like oh, he has all the laugh lines mm -hmm. and you really relate to him, even though he's unquestionably the worst person. <laughs> uh. um, so it's, so it's funny. Like I, again, I was playing Judy and I felt like sort of this detestable character in a way because um, she's just not very sympathetic. She's very mm -hmm. kind of hard and cold, mm -hmm. but also undoubtedly right and righteous. Um, whereas like Jack is clearly in the wrong, mm -hmm. um, but again, like somehow you just identify with him more, maybe because yeah. <laughs> because of that, because of his fallibility. Mm -hmm. um, so I thought of a lot about that when I was writing, just playing with that kind of um, these ideas of like goodness and culpability. And mm -hmm. um, I kind of tried to show or create a side of Judy that was more um, allowing of her own potential faults yeah too which mm -hmm. um I think is maybe less apparent in the play mm -hmm. so um yeah the, I guess the Judy in the play <laughs> and my Judy I think are, are very different oh yeah <laughs> yeah from the poems like I get the sense of like she's like trapped and it feels like maybe her emotional life is more in like introverted as mm -hmm. opposed to like expressive like there are moments like she does kind of like bite a jack you know mm -hmm. but yeah like i think most of it because it is her inner world it's just she feels really trapped in like life you know uh -huh. mm -hmm. yeah she i mean i think she's very lonely um mm -hmm. but better <laughs> <laughs> but bitter about it <laughs> um so another thing i i should mention um mm -hmm. A, a writer I know named Logan Breitbart, who lives in Chicago, mm -hmm. actually adapted my book into a play. What? Yeah, so so many levels. Yeah. Um, earlier this year. That's so and cool. Yeah, it, so 
he did it. He ended up doing it again, or he's planning to do it again. But um, mm-hmm. it, it was originally conceived as a one night only show, and yeah. it was in May, and I got to go. Yeah, it. it was so cool. But what he ended up doing was he cast five different Judies. Oh wow! Um, and so they each read different parts of mm-hmm. the book, mm-hmm. and what it felt like to me was that he had kind of picked apart all these different aspects of uh-huh. um, her personality yeah. and cast people to play one aspect mm-hmm. of her. And so um, one of them was like the more intellectual Judy and one of them <laughs> was the kind of like brassy mm-hmm. um, kind of contrary Judy who would get too drunk and <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and talk back at a party. Um, and I loved it. It was, it was really, it was so amazing mm-hmm. to see. It was really moving, but yeah, yeah it, was, it was like this Judy yeah. character keeps taking on new, <laughs> new lives. <Wow. laughs> That's so cool. Uh, yeah. Were you, yeah. When you saw that show, were you like surprised to see the different, like, mm-hmm. like, yeah, to see just how many, how much more like layered she was. Yeah. It was something yeah. I had never thought about, but mm-hmm. watching it, it became clear to me that, yeah. that different poems kind of show different yeah. parts of her personality or her inner life. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I had, I had no idea what to expect when I went to see it. I thought that yeah. it might be very loosely adapted. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought maybe it's going to be totally experimental and <laughs> yeah. there won't be any words from, <laughs> yeah. um, from the book and the play at uh-huh. all, but they read the whole book. Wow. <laughs> like, the book just became a play. It was really cool. Yeah, yeah. I hope he keeps doing it. It was yeah. amazing. It should come to LA. <laughs> <laughs> it would be cool to see that and Wallace Shawn's play. Like, I don't, I don't know what oh, the yeah. running time would be, but yeah. <laughs> I would love that. <laughs> and then, like, how did it feel to play Judy for, mm-hmm. yeah, to spend, like, mm-hmm. yeah, a whole year or so, like, rehearsing and then, yeah, getting on stage, making eye contact with people? Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> it was so hard. I, th- I mean, mm-hmm. you're you're an actress, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not really. <laughs> I mean, I did a little acting, like, mm-hmm. when I was a kid and in high school. Oh, cool. um, so I've always liked theater, mm-hmm. but... Um, yeah, I hadn't I hadn't done any acting in many many years, yeah. and I, w- I really wasn't sure if I was going to be able to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but our friend Aaron, who, he, as I mentioned, he's a writer, but also um, formerly an actor, like he used to do stage acting in New yeah. York. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, he, and he was a great actor. He was amazing, mm-hmm. amazing Jack. But um, and I felt so inadequate because my husband also used to study acting, and uh-huh. so I felt like, well, they both know what they're doing. I'm just faking <laughs> it. Um, but they assure me like that was good in a way because mm-hmm. the part demands to be sort of underplayed. Uh-huh. And so I just read it the way I would read something that I had written yeah. or if I was, you know, reading, um, like as a teacher in class, if I was reading a story yeah. or a poem or uh-huh. a bit of a theater monologue or something, I, I read it the way I would read as a reader yeah. <laughs> instead of as an actor. And I think that worked. Mm-hmm. Um, the hard part was really memorizing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, monologues, yeah, yeah, the lines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and <laughs> they don't, like, follow logically one from the next. Oh, so, so that's very, very like, hard. Yeah, yeah. You, I had to learn my cues just down yeah. pat. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and it was just trying to make her a believable character because some of the lines are so... Um, it's it's very like kind of Brechtian and like it's yeah. not meant to seem natural or realist at all. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, it's like the hardest of all yeah. parts in theater. Yeah, it's, like it was so challenging. And yeah, <laughs> yeah, I I cried during and after <laughs> rehearsals a, a couple of times, but it was so amazing to find out that I could do it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it's so cool that yeah, your husband and friend like assured you and like trusted you and was like, yeah, we. 
we wouldn't have asked you to do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's so, yeah. And I don't know, just the idea of performing like in a living room, like very mm-hmm. intimate can it was be very, very intimate. And, yeah. you know, you could really feel like the whole energy of the room mm-hmm. and everybody in the room. And so we would like kind of done the lighting and set yeah. up a little lamp on the table mm-hmm. and we would invite people to, you know, drink or do whatever. So it had yeah. this kind of like dinner party atmosphere yeah. and, um, it was really effective. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. <laughs> I hope you guys do it again. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe someday. Yeah. I would have to learn it show. all over again. <laughs> I do not remember my lines. <laughs> it's funny. I think I remember more of Jack's lines than my mm-hmm. own lines because I, I guess because hearing them is different uh-huh. from saying them. <laughs> yeah. Huh. But every now and then little bits of his monologues will come back to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's so cool. Uh, is there anything you're working on now or... Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> I'm writing a book of essays now. Oh, so wow. that's what I've been working on mm-hmm. for the past couple of years. Um, and it's under contract, and my deadline is January 10th. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> so I'm almost done, trying yeah. very hard to get it done by the deadline. Uh-huh, uh-huh, <laughs> yeah. Deadlines are helpful, though. Yeah. <laughs> that's so cool. Um, is there anything you would want to, like, plug for listeners or, like, a website or Twitter to um, guide people your way? Well, I have a brand a brand new book out. Um, mm-hmm. It's a, a quirky little book book of uh all nonfiction, uh-huh. cr- some criticism strange little personal essays it's called the word pretty mm-hmm. um so yeah that's out yay <laughs> that's so cool awesome well thank you so much for uh coming on and letting thank me you come so over. much for having me and talking to Stories But Shorter is produced by Jeremy Schmidt and hosted by me, Cassie Jerkins. Campfire.